0: What I titled today is um, Psalms of Deliverance or a song or praying for deliverance is the big theme. Um, So the series of Psalms that we'll be looking at from Psalm 50... Um, Rather than covering one specific psalm, what I wanted to do is I actually wanted to cover a series of psalms beginning at Psalm 50 to Psalm 56. We'll go through those in just a moment. And as I was spending some time preparing and thinking and praying through this little moment of time that we're living in and why these psalms kind of are so important, especially in terms of the subject matter of deliverance, um, it just really heightened the fact, the reality that right now more than ever, We are in desperate need of deliverance. Our country, our county, our community, our church, we need deliverance. We need God to intervene. That's what we are saying when we say that. We need God desperately to come in, to invade, to bring healing to the chaos, the hurt, the grief, the pain that's there. That our current state of unrest, as I was kind of thinking through a timeline, our current state of unrest has not only come on the heels of three months of lockdown, which for many people throughout our country and uh, also as well in our community has created all forms of economic, uh, physical in some cases, emotional in other cases, distress and chaos and unrest in their minds. Um, And then this is immediately following all of this um, on May 25th, so just a couple weeks ago, many of us, many of us Americans, many of us around the world, we watched in horror as George Floyd, a four or six-year-old black man who bears the image of God, uh, had been thrown on the ground, had been arrested, had had his hands cuffed behind him, and had the knee of um, police officer Derek Chauvin, another image bearer of God. Um, ultimately to the point for almost nine minutes to the point where he ended up dead on the scene. And this literally created, it ripped open a grief and a wound among black communities and people of color, not only in our country, but worldwide in many ways, who had barely begun to process the video footage of another murder, Ahmad Arbery, that had just come out again. And it was like wave upon wave Of grief, and many white people wondering, like, how does this even play in? How is this even relevant? Which, again, perhaps even added another wave. Of grief, and the fact of the matter is, is right now our world is grieving, hurting, suffering, going through, and the media in many ways is is riffing and playing off of this and exacerbating wounds and grievances and hurts and pains. And and there's so many things that are happening right now in our society and our culture that we look at much of this, Um, and yet, especially within people of color, community, black communities. This uh, has kind of created this collective memory of hurt and feelings of racially motivated activity and alienation and that had been perpetuated against them, as well as other many other people of color within our community. And it's just created, like I said, wave upon wave of grief and hardship. And this has led to our current state of where we find ourselves of protests, peaceful protests for the most part. Uh, degenerating into rioting and then looting and destruction, and in some cases, murder, more murder. So the cycle of violence and animosity and vengeance just continues. And many of us, again, we live on the central coast of California. We live in a bubble. You guys know that, right? We live in an incredible bubble. You can go to the beach today, this afternoon, sit on the beach, and it's absolutely pristine and perfect and peaceful, And yet, in other places of our country, the streets are filled with violence, which are filled with people that are filled with hurt and anger and bitterness and pain and chaos. We need deliverance, man. So what I want to do in our time here is not just talk about psalms of deliverance or songs of deliverance. I want to devote specifically some time to to praying for deliverance, for God to intervene. Um, that's what I, I really feel passionate that this is this is what our call is. We need to do this right now as a community. And so, so you guys, uh, our live audience, are, are you know you're here because you want to be here, which is cool. You know, I mean, you signed up, you went through the process of registering, you went through the process of lining up outside the door and being brought into the whole system and all that. You know, again, thank you for for being here. You guys get to be a part of an opportunity of just praying praying for God to not only deliver from, but for God to deliver for. And with that, what I want to do right now is I want to take a look at a handful of these psalms as we kind of make our way through some of these uh, ideas. And again, to finally add to all of this, we have this culture right now that's being bred to nurse and cultivate grievances. And then if the wrong words are said or not the right words said in the right time or said out of place, then it creates this this collective anger and frustration of canceling one another out, dismissing someone else, getting rid of them. And this is a cycle, which I really believe that ultimately at the end of the day, Jesus has a lot to not only say, but Jesus wants to do in our own hearts, enable us by his power and the spirit to be agents of healing and hope in this moment that we find ourselves so that's really what I want to take a look at. Before we jump in, and hopefully, again, as you are reading through the Psalms throughout the week, um, this might just give you a little bit of a, um, a head start to think about, to consider some of the things that you will be reading over the following weeks. So I want to just go through this real quickly, real briefly. So Psalm 50, um, it's just great psalm. In fact, I would say Psalm 50 is, is like meditation soft, uh, software. Uh, meditation, uh, it's not meditation software. It is meditation scripture. The idea behind it is for you to just read it, to reread it, to think about it, to meditate upon it, to go for a nice long walk with a cup of coffee in your hand, to listen to it. That's what I've been doing, and it's, it's phenomenal. But Psalm 50 basically starts off with this uh, imagination or imaginative effort from the psalmist uh, depicting God as sort of summoning the entire earth, all the inhabitants of this planet in front of him. I just want you to get that visual in your mind. God, the king, over all things, over all the cosmos, all the created order, summoning every human being, everything that has breath before his presence, his throne. And then God, God basically puts him on trial. Like, and the psalm is, is highly imaginative and highly powerful, and I'll just kind of end with like what the psalmist ends in Psalm 50, verse 23. He says this, the one who offers thanksgiving as a sacrifice glorifies me. And just prior to that, he was talking about how just because you're religious doesn't mean you please me. And he actually rebukes his people. He's like, look, you guys, in essence, you're coming to church. You're bringing your sacrifices. You're doing all this religious activity. But God's like, I don't, I don't need the blood of bulls. You think I'm bloodthirsty? You think, you think I, I need... Uh, an offering. God's like, I don't need any of this stuff. And you guys bring this up to me mindlessly, assuming that I need it all. God's whole point is like, really, what I really want is I want you to love me and love your neighbor. Until you do that, until you learn how to do that, to walk in that way, every other effort that you bring, no matter how religious or how routine it might be or how religiously correct it might be, or secularly, religiously correct. We call that politically correct. It's a, it's a form of religious correctness, but in a highly secularized context, regardless of saying the right words, right things, right context, whatever. God's saying that I, I, don't, I don't need it. Really what I want is I want your devotion to me and your devotion lived out to me by way of loving your neighbor. Listen to how God finishes this statement. Verse 23 the one who orders his way rightly, I will show the deliverance of God, the salvation of God. Again, we're talking about deliverance. God says, look, just order your way rightly, and I will, I'll take care of you. I'll take care of you. Uh, we then get in Psalm 51. I was, again, I'll just go through these real quick. These are highlighted elements in which the psalmist uh, praying for forms of deliverance. In Psalm 51, it's a prayer for deliverance. Um, In this context, that which is uh, problematic in the psalmist's life that he needs deliverance from is obviously the context is uh, it's believed to be David's great sin uh, with Bathsheba uh, and then the consequent death of her husband, the murder of her husband. And David's dealing with a guilty conscience. And in this context, David's like, God, I need deliverance from guilt and shame and the sin that has like enveloped me. And we see throughout the psalm, God gives David what he's longing because he confesses his sin. He repents. He turns from his ways. Uh, Psalm 52 and Psalm 53 are kind of grouped together. And the way I would describe this is this sort of like a depiction of what a society looks like really to be delivered over to, not delivered from, but delivered over to its ways. I think in some ways we can, we can safely say that that's exactly where we live right now. Like we live in a community right now, a culture Again, we live in slow, it's, it's a bubble, but we see elements of it as well. Paso experienced this in a very vivid way with the events of this past week and our nation at large. What does it look like to be given over to ways that are destructive? And that's what we see. And the psalmist kind of highlights some of these things. So listen to how this kind of plays out. Psalm 52, verse 2 through 4 it says, Your tongue plots destruction. Uh, you are workers of deceit. Uh, you love evil more than good, and lying more than speaking what is right. The love, uh, you love all words that devour, O deceitful tongue. Psalm 53, verse 3 goes on in the next psalm. It says, As you have become corrupt. There is none that does good, not even one. Um, the big idea is that your hearts are not devoted to looking to God. And instead, what's ended up happening is you are being given over to, delivered over to this deep brokenness that's endemic and it's being lived out and played out. Uh, You you want a cultural commentary on what's happening in our world today. What's happening is people are being delivered over to the natural course of, in many ways, just turning from God, whether it be through acts of racism and destruction and death, in the case of George Floyd being murdered in the street brutally, horrifically by another man who had no care or consideration for another man's life to any other type of acts of violence that are happening. And the fear that follows, that plays out, and then oftentimes the non-repentant heart of people that play into those cultural cycles, and yet callously, coldly do not repent from their wicked ways and their refusal to see people in a different light. This is perpetuation of othering someone else. In other words, the other idea is to say, oh, you're, you're other than me. The moment you begin to look at someone as nothing more than just an other, then it's just one small step to dehumanizing them. And then when you dehumanize them, they become nothing more than a creature that now you can criticize and attack and cancel. And and the hope, the hope that's given to us, God is constantly saying is to be delivered from this. There's a way that deliverance can come and happen. So take a look at Psalm 54. This is where it gets really good, and I'll wrap it up with one final thought, and then we'll move into some time of praying. Psalm 54, verses 1 through 3, just listen to what he says. Um, And this is where he begins to talk a little bit about other forms of deliverance. He says, God, save me by your name and vindicate me by your might. Oh, God, hear my prayer. Give ear to my words, my mouth. For strangers have risen against me, and ruthless people seek my life. So in this context, again, we don't know the backstory is exactly what's happening, but we we do know that he feels like people are out to get him. Have you ever felt like that? Have you had relationships just go awry, and you're kind of like, I think they're out to destroy me. They're out to ruin my reputation. And this is what the psalmist is dealing with right now. He's like, God, please step in to the midst of my chaos and what I'm facing and deliver me from this moment. And then it's where it gets really good. Psalm 55 is awesome. Uh, what I want to do is I want to read uh, a lot of this because it's just it's good and I want to end with just one specific or two specific verses in this <clears throat> and then we'll move on to just a time of uh, praying with some final uh, summary thoughts just before that. Listen to what Psalm 55 says. It's to the choir master with stringed instruments, a miscal of David. What I love about this is it's, this is, this is um, an indicator that what was the purpose of the psalm? The purpose of this psalm was to be sung And it wasn't just one person's testimony of what God had done for their life, but it's an invitation to enter into the psalmist's account of God's deliverance and then to make that their own. I love this because again, many of us, when we go through seasons and moments of suffering and chaos, whether it be uh, as a result of COVID-19 or as a result of the, the, the deep chaos that we see and the fraction that we see within our culture and society or the anxiety that comes as a result of wondering what will happen to yourself or other people of color, or will there ever be justice that will step in? Will God ever bring re- uh, redemption or salvation or hope? And it's an invitation to begin to look at it from a different angle and say, these are Prayers that have been prayed by the community for thousands of years. So that's what's cool about this that we, we're singing or reading a song that many, many, many people, just like you and I, who have found ourselves in places of trying to make sense of chaos, that use as the vocabulary. Listen to how he says this Give ear to my prayer, O God. Do not hide yourself from my plea for mercy. Attend to me and answer me. I am restless. My complaint, and I moan. And in my complaint, I moan. Because of the noise of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked. For they drop trouble upon me, and in anger, they bear a grudge against me. My heart is in anguish within me, and the terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling come upon me, and horror overwhelms me. And then I say, Oh, that I would have wings like a dove, that I would fly away and be at rest. Yes, that I would wander far away and that I would lodge in the wilderness. I would hurry to find a shelter from the raging wind and the tempest. Destroy, O Lord, divide their tongues, for I see violence and strife in the midst of the city. Day and night, they go around on its walls and iniquity and trouble are within it. Ruin is in its midst. Oppression and fraud do not depart from its marketplace. For it is not an enemy who taunts me, lest I would be able to bear it. It is not an adversary who deals insolently with me, then I would be able to hide from it. But it was you, a man, my equal, my companion, my familiar friend. Uh, we don't know exactly who David's talking about. This obviously was one of David's closest friends. Have you ever felt betrayal? Have you ever felt the grip of having someone that you welcomed into your life, close to your heart, and they did something or a series of some things that have brought ache and deep pain, and you've left to wrestle with that? How do I deal with betrayal? This is exactly what the psalmist is dealing with. He's like, I've been betrayed, not by an enemy, not by someone that I just barely knew, not by a friend on Facebook, but by one of my best, closest friends, Turned their back on me, and David's response is like, "Man, I wish I could hop on the back of a bird and fly as far away from all of this scenario right now and get away from it." Have you felt like that? Like again, this is this is like 3,500 year old like vocabulary, uh, but it's very modern because many of us we we do the same thing. We long to escape in many ways from our pain. Uh, we do this in multiple ways. You know, we just flip on our phone. And we get lost in this black hole slash vortex of just like nothingness, right? Or we tune on the news and we just download headlines and we numb ourselves or we just binge watch something to somehow mind, numb, numb our minds or, you know, just drink wine or alcohol or smoke some weed. Or whatever it is that we do, whatever it is that we do, the whole objective is to somehow escape. It's a natural feeling. It's a human feeling. What David's doing is not just wanting to escape the pain. I would urge you, don't just escape the pain. Ask how that pain is either being felt by you, can be used for redemptive purposes, or pain that you're observing in other people. Don't run from the pain. Press into it. Ask bigger questions. Why is there pain? Why is there hurt? Why is there grief? Why is there sorrow? And ultimately, how has God equipped, empowered, enabled me and the community I belong to of Jesus' people to be agents of help and healing in the midst of that. This is what we see David's dealing with. And then he says, uh, we used to take sweet counsel together and within the Lord's house, we walked. Verse eight, uh, 15, he says, let death roll over them. It's just, again, this is real. David's like, let them die. I love this about the Psalms. They're raw, they're normal in terms of like dealing with life God, just let them die. Let them roll over in their sleep and never wake up. (laughs) And that's how David's processing this. Let them go down to the grave alive for evil is in their dwelling place and in their heart. Listen to how this closes. And I want you to just meditate, think about this, and then I want to wrap up with some final thoughts and we'll pray. He says this, uh, verse 16. But I will call on the Lord, the God who rescues me, Morning, noon, and night, I crowd my distress, and the Lord hears my voice. This is what the psalmist continues to come back to, is Yahweh, God, you're the God that's not cold and indifferent to my pain. This is why it's really important for us as followers of Jesus to not be indifferent to the pain of other people. If you are a follower of Jesus, you should care what people of color in the black community have felt. You might not have to agree with every angle and detail that Fox News and or MSNBC or any other news media organization is spinning in terms of the content or the information, but as followers of Jesus, I urge you, do not be cold to the cries and the grief and hurt and the pain of others. Ask questions as to how God may want to release us to be people to bring life and this is what we see, the psalmist crying out to God, because he knows God is a God that comes in and brings help. And so should God's people, to have the same heart, to respond in like fashion, the way that God has shown his grace and kindness to us, so we become these agents that have been shown incredible, inordinate amount of grace that we get to then go out into those places of deep suffering and deep hurt and pain and ask the bigger questions. How can I participate in alleviating pain and hurt? Whether it be just listening or whether it be uh, being someone that that acts within the context of some of those means by which to bring help and relief and healing and hope. Um, Or again, even like we're uh, attempting to do tonight, to come back here. If you would like to join us tonight, you do need to sign up. We do have a limited amount of people that will be able to be here tonight. Uh, We may be doing it live stream on Instagram Live. We're still trying to figure out and work out some of the details. A lot of this is simply because this is a last-minute thing that we're just like, we feel like we need to come together and address this. This It's an important issue. And if anything, if anything, we'll come together, and whoever wants to come, that big idea, we'll we'll, we'll talk a little bit. We'll try our best to address and answer as many questions as we can. We don't have all the answers, but we do want to ultimately end on just a moment whereby we pray. We pray for the pain and the grief and the hurt and the sorrow happening. We repent, we join, and we look at areas in our lives where maybe we can repent, whether it be repent from indifference, repent from any other forms of endemic elements that we play into, but the big idea is to just recognize how can we be agents of hope in a world filled with chaos. Lastly, um, before we move into a moment just of praying, there's like three realities I I see that are kind of part of God's deliverance um, in the bigger... Scope picture of things. Number one is that all deliverance comes from God. You cannot somehow secularize the storyline of the Bible, like be like, well, they all had positive vibes, and they were hopeful, and they got through the horrible circumstances because they were all positive. Nope. The whole storyline is all about Yahweh intervening. In other words, hope comes not from armies or a large militaristic budget or even from any other social justice warriors. Help comes from God. And this is how the psalmist wants us to think. God is the one that we turn to. We look for help. Secondly, um, in many cases, many cases, there's some action that needs to take place. Now, there are occasions where God, despite anything that's going on in your life, God just intervenes and he brings healing. There's other occasions where God says, here's do this, and then as you do this, I will step in. So this is one of the reasons why we see moments where the psalmist will say, and I sought the Lord, and he responded to me, or I prayed to God, and he rescued me, or in the case of the psalm that we had read, David says, I confessed my sin, then God forgave me. In other words, God's deliverance came on the heels of some action turning Godward. Turning to God, turning our hearts to God. And again, I don't know what types of circumstances you may be going through, what you're facing, what crisis, chaos, whatever it is that you find yourself in the midst of. My invitation to you is to properly posture yourself before this God. And then lastly, we see it's always within God's timing. God will deliver as he sees is right. We have this great hope that one day God will step in just as Psalm 50 began. And he will step before all creation. And he will have all creation, all living beings give an account of how they responded and loved him and how they responded and loved other image bearers made by God. So we transition now. I'm going to have to uh, ask a few people to come on up to, to pray. What I want to do is I want to just uh, tell you some three things that I'm, I'm sensing Right now, that would be uh, key for us to, to pray about. And I'll just kind of address them, and then I'll just give the mic over to these guys. And then, uh, here you go, Shadi. And then they'll pray. So as I was thinking about this, uh, deliverance from three, at least, major areas. Number one, deliverance from fear, anxiety, and worry. It's a big one. Fear, anxiety, and worry. Um, and again, I don't need to unpack that. I think we, we get that. Uh, it can be crippling. But... Um, when I think about the idea of deliverance, it's not just simply deliverance from an adversary, but it's deliverance for a purpose. When we see God rescuing the people of Israel from Egypt, it's not just delivering them from an evil, oppressive, militaristic world superpower tyrant. It's delivering them for a purpose of being his people in a new territory, like a light upon a hill. This is how God works. So um, I think it's important for us to pray for deliverance from anxiety and worry for this idea of, so that we would be this non-anxious presence in an anxiety-laden world, ultimately identified by our confidence and our trust in God. That's what I, I think we need deliverance from and for. And then second thing is we're going to pray for deliverance from um, animosity and prejudice and violence and vengeance um, and this cultivating of Grievances for a life of compassion, binding the brokenhearted, loving our enemies, forgiveness. These are things that we're invited into. If you're a follower of Jesus, and again, I'm, I'm speaking to the church here. I, can't, I cannot say this type of stuff to people that are not under allegiance to King Jesus as Lord, because if I do, it's just simply moralism. This, this, this is Jesus stuff here, guys. If you are a follower of Jesus, these are the things that we are invited into. No longer nurture these grievances, these bitternesses that we hold that we have in our heart. Instead, we're invited to adopt a different way of living. And lastly, um, deliverance from division, especially that's within God's household, in this culture that we see of cancellation. You know, the moment someone does not say something the way it should be said or they say something that shouldn't be said or say something that should be said but not in the right context, there's this moment of, like, anxiety and anger and bitterness and cancellation. I'm like, I'm done with them on Facebook. I'm done with them on Instagram. I'm done with them in my life. Before you know it, all you've simply done is you've reduced your friend list to a bunch of people that are just like you. There's a name for that, by the way. It's called an echo chamber, and it looks nothing like the gospel. It is the exact opposite of forgiveness and reconciliation that we are invited by Jesus to embody. And again, I realize some of these things may sound heavy, and they certainly do not fit the cultural narrative that right now we are being spoon-fed to live according to. But we are invited to live a different way as followers of Jesus, not as a morality to impose upon ourselves, but because King Jesus loves us. When you fail him, when you say the wrong thing, when you do the wrong thing, as you repent, as you turn, because what you have, you have open arms that forgive you. You can't say that about our culture. You offend the wrong people. There is no going back into a place of acceptance. There is no welcome back at that table. Not so with the gospel. We have a God that loves us in spite of how ignorant or how flawed or how sinful or how broken we are. But he invites us to trust him. So we're going to move to a posture of praying right now. Um, I want to just invite you to maybe just close your eyes. And if these prayers resonate with you, if these are prayers that you uh, need to pray, meaning that you resonate with them, you're like maybe you're nurturing grievances in your heart, bitterness in your heart. This is an opportunity for you to, to confess that to Jesus to seek his forgiveness, or maybe you're like, I don't, I, I'm, I don't have bitterness in my heart. Maybe it's an invitation for you to look at others that are in your life and maybe think, how could I be praying for others that are hurting and others that might be in the midst of grievances to the point where they're just embittered, they're stuck, they're bound, they're enslaved is a biblical phrase of thinking about this, that they would be set free and delivered. This is an opportunity for us to seek deliverance from God, for those things that we need deliverance from, but also for us to pray for deliverance from those that need deliverance. So, Shadi, Ernesto, and Vicki are gonna just lead us in some moments of prayer. So, here we go.
1: All right, uh, let's go ahead and uh, bow our heads and um, just know that we are going before... The God of the universe, the God who loves us, and as Brian was saying, is, is waiting for us with open arms. Um, Lord, you say in Psalm 34, 4-5, through five, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. And God, you tell us in First Peter to cast our anxieties on you because you care for us. Lord, we are humbled to be in your presence, and we are humbled to be together as a body again um, after some time apart. And Lord, we are confident in the time that we were apart and the time that we bring back together, God, that you've been with us through all of it, and that in this this wild time, Lord, that you have been in control. Um, When we can't see it, we don't want to believe it, Um, it's hard to be trusting that you are, Lord, you have been. God, and uh, with everything that's gone on, Lord, um, it's natural for us to be afraid, to have gripping anxiety, to be worried and have real reasons to have those things and to, To face the Lord and we, we bring those to you. God, would you deliver us from those things and would you make your church just non-anxious, peaceful, and to be peace bearers and image bearers of you in this dark world. Lord, um, the, the promises and the things that you've said in your word that you'll always be with us and that you love us and you care for us, Lord, have not changed. They've not changed in the last few months. They haven't changed for thousands of years, Lord. And even though we are faced with things that are um, more real to us, and a lot of us are going through hard times because of the challenges that we face recently, Lord, those things still have not changed, Lord. So we ask that you would give us peace, that you would envelop us with your, your love, um, bring us together as a community to, to feel your love and to feel your presence. And God, would you, yeah, deliver us so that we can be non-anxious people, we can be a presence in this world, and we can ultimately point people to you, Jesus. In Jesus' name.
2: Father, just come before you to just repent, Lord, and and to open my ears to what you have to say to us, Lord God. Father, I believe that everything I need is in you, Lord Jesus, that you did everything on the cross, Lord God, that you reconciled me to you so I would be reconciled to those around me, Father God that your word is sufficient, your work on the cross is sufficient. Um, the Apostle Paul wrote, for he himself is our peace. He who has made us both one and has broken down his flesh, the dividing wall of hostility. Lord, I so believe that, Lord, that you're the reconciler. You're the one that can heal our nation, Um all the brokenness that exists between people, Father God. And I ask that you save us from thoughts of animosity, Father, thoughts of prejudice. Who am I to judge, Lord? Father, I pray that the violence wouldn't harden our hearts, Father God. Father, that we would see that vengeance is yours, Father, and we are to be tools of peace, Father, and I pray that if there's any roots of bitterness in our hearts, that you would remove those, Lord God, and that we would focus on your love, Lord Jesus, that we're called to love you with all our hearts, Father, and to treat our neighbors how we want to be treated, Lord God. We need your heart, Father. I pray, Father God, that as we've been forgiven, that to be forgivers, that we would see people through your eyes, Lord, and that we would have compassion, even for those that don't think the same way that we do, Father, that we'd be able to set down our differences and be able to sit next to somebody and be able just to listen to them, Father God, and be able to interject your peace and your love for them, Father. You told us to love our neighbors, Father God, and I pray that you give us the strength to do that. Father, we're crying out for your help. Please help us today to be more like you today, Lord Jesus. More like you, Father God.
3: Heavenly Father, thank you that we are created in your divine image. In your eyes we are diverse and beautiful. Lord, we thank you for making one human family of all the peoples of the earth and for all the wonderful diversity of cultures in our world. Holy Spirit, please search us this morning and know us and see if there be any wicked way in us. Please forgive us. For all too often, failing to recognize your image in everyone. Through your goodness, open our eyes to see the dignity, beauty, and worth of every human being. Open our hearts to repent of any racist attitudes, behaviors, and speech which can demean others. Forgive us who have been silent and apathetic in the face of racial intolerance and bigotry, both overt and subtle, public and private. Take away the arrogance and hatred that infect our hearts. Free us, Lord, and break down the walls that separate us. It blesses your heart when your people live together in unity. Forgive us for focusing on what separates us and not on what binds us together. Forgive us for the ways in which we have failed to create a community that includes all and gives equal access to your abundant life. Please weave us together in unity that we would be a seamless and beautiful garment of many, many colors. Please uh, please give us new eyes to see beyond prejudice in all its forms. You said that the world would recognize us by our love for one another. We desire to love what you love. Please help us to love others with your love. We confess that we protect ourselves by remaining lodged in our own comfort zones. Please forgive us our complacency. We need deliverance from drifting into our personal refuges. Fill us with the courage that we might seek to heal wounds, build bridges, forgive and be forgiven, and establish peace and equality for all in our communities. Please deliver us from those attitudes and actions that block the pathway toward unity and healing. Open our ears to hear the cries of those who've been wounded. We pray that our hearts would become more open to the subtle ways that racial sin and prejudice make their way into our lives. Both individually and within our community. We ask that you would empower us to speak boldly for justice and truth and help us to deal with one another without hatred or bitterness, working together with mutual forbearance and respect, and work through our struggles and confusion to accomplish your purposes in our lives, in our community, and in our nation. We ask these things because of Jesus. Amen.
0: Uh, how about we all stand, and we're going to finish with a song of worship. So this will be the last week of watching online a TV screen worship. Next week we'll be back. We'll have some actually live musicians. And... Um, So yeah, let's sing this song and then we'll close it out.
4: No where I hide, the ransom for my life. we thank you so much that you're on our side you don't leave us your spirit dwells in us and that we can't be separated from you because of your love for us and i just pray this morning that um, as we press into you just that you would fill us up and that you would um, overflow so that we could be uh, a light to this earth and and just to flow your living water and your love to those around us um, and make a make a change in this world for your name we love you and we we praise you for the work that you're doing and uh, we just uh, we pray these things in your name.